What's good people, CJ Williams for Coachless Theory, and today we got a good one. Ice Cube has to be one of the most underappreciated figures in entertainment story history. Putting in work as the lead writer and MC for NWA, as well as building one of the most solid solo discographies the game has ever seen. Cube has been on both sides of the camera while also holding the titles of entrepreneur and executive producer. Today we're breaking down Cube's catalog and giving flowers to one of the game's greatest. But before that, we're gonna need you to drop a like, subscribe to the channel, and start a dialogue down in the comments. Let's get to it. Number 10, I am the West. Three Stacks said it best about the origin of the word hip hop. First, you gotta be hip, and the older you get, the further you get away from that. Well, Cube's ninth studio album sounds 15 years removed from its hipness. By refusing to update his sound, I am the West sees O'Shea unable to divorce his flow and style that he cultivated in the early 90s. One notable moment came via a shot of sorts at Lil Wayne when Cube spits. The line stemming from an alleged incident between G-Unit's 40 Glock, a Crip, and the Cash Money Millionaire with Blood affiliations. It's a long story. Look it up on YouTube if you want to know the specifics. He also takes time to show love to his wife of 20 years on Nothing Like LA and finds himself on some vintage, bass-heavy 2000 Southern production with All Day Every Day. But the album just falls flat. No real tracks to grab the listener. While he is grandfathered in the OG status, even making room for his son to spit on two tracks, that same title served almost as a barrier between him and younger audiences. Number nine, War and Peace, volume one, the war disc. After four stellar releases, Cube sounded out of his element following a five year break. The first installment in the War and Peace disc lacks both the militant messaging and nuanced sounds found on earlier projects. With the exception of a couple of Mac-10 songs, the album is void of any big name features. Standouts include Ghetto Vet, which was also featured on the I Got the Hookup soundtrack, and The Curse of Money with bars from the aforementioned Mac-10. The album might be certified platinum, but we can't be sure that the product satisfied the needs of the customers. This coupled with a noticeable lack of subject material made the album a lethargic entry in Cube's catalog. It's a perfect example of how record sales shouldn't dictate to hip-hop fans what is hot and what's not. Number eight, raw footage. Cube's eighth studio joint sees the 39-year-old rapper taking aim at the political state of the country while reminding listeners who started gangster rap. With features from Young Jeezy, Music Soul Child, and The Game, raw footage has no shortage of star power. The mixture of West Coast influence and bass-heavy Southern production, however, leaves Cube in no man's land, suffering from an identity crisis. Selling 70,000 in its first week, raw footage would debut at number five on the Billboard 200, becoming Cube's seventh top 10 album. Some standout tracks include the lead single, Gangsta Rap Made Me Do It, Stand Tall, and It Takes a Nation, paying homage to Public Enemy and the voice of authority. Had Cube kept the heavy bass to a few tracks rather than the majority of the project, we think the album would have made it higher on the list. Number seven, Everything's Corrupt. Cube's most recent project dropped almost a decade after his last release. Everything's Corrupt is the most direct callback to the political demands and revolutionary remarks found on his earlier 90s work. The project tries to navigate the same unfriendly skies thematically as Predator, but in this case, Cube fails to land the plane. Releasing four years after Mike Brown, but two years before George Floyd, it's a bit like getting yesterday's mail. Unfortunately, using the Predator formula didn't translate to sales either. Moving only 14,000 units in its first week, the album marks Cube's lowest debut to date. Now, despite the commercial falloff, Everything's Corrupt is one of Cube's most critically acclaimed projects. Songs that caught our ear include Arrest the President, That New Funkadelic, and Can You Dig It? The album definitely has pockets of inconsistency, like On Them Pills, One for the Money, and Still in the Kitchen. Despite those lows, it's clear Cube is hungrier and more polished than he's been in nearly two decades. Number six, War and Peace, Volume Two, The Peace Disc. The second part from the two album project was Ice Cube's last in a 
a partnership with Priority Records. We get to hear Cube, Dre, and Ren reunite on the intro track, Hello, O'Shea's reflective and thankful side on the laid-back 24 more hours, and Cube's delivering one of his most focused performances, dropping gems about predatory industry practices with record company Pimpin'. Pimp Romeo and Can You Bounce don't mesh well with the rest of the track list, but it's still one of Cube's most solid offerings to date. The star of this album being the banger You Can Do It, which was a hit not only in the US, but in the UK as well, thanks to its appearance in the popular Friday sequel. This will mark Ice Cube's second hiatus with fans waiting six years for his next music project. Meanwhile, he had a mean movie streak starring in or producing a dozen movies during that time. Before we get to the top five albums from the gangster rap pioneer, Cube has a number of fire soundtracks. But let's put the debate to bed today. Which movie soundtrack involving Cube was the dopest? Boys in the Hood, Friday, The Players Club, or something else? Jump in the comments and let us know. And yes, that top 10 soundtracks list will be coming. Number five, Lethal Injection. The fourth release from the big three mogul is smooth and cohesive as a whole, yet divisive and contentious at its roots. Fans are undecided about whether this is a sleeper or an album that needs to be put to bed. Using more bass and synthesizers than previous projects, Cube focuses on making music you can drop your top and ride to. It was commercially more successful than Predator, selling 25,000 more units in the first week, but he drew criticism for the shift in subject matter. Slappers like Really Though, Ghetto Bird, and You Know How We Do It embody Cube's mindset and music leading up to his pivotal fourth release, getting major contributions from producers QD3, Madness For Real, and Sir Jinx, among others, Lethal Injection sees Cube working with the most balanced and favorable production of his career. Yes, it's another plaque on his wall, but Hollywood came calling and Cube picked up, not dropping an album for the next five years. Number four, America's Most Wanted. Cube's debut album sees him embracing the role of villain following his departure from NWA. His social and political commentary delivered with wit unapologetically made him an outspoken voice of injustice. The album charted, surprisingly, with no lead single or music video. Receiving widespread critical and commercial success, not only did the album go platinum in just four months, but it is still hailed as one of the best records to come out in the 90s. Starting off strong with The Nigga You Love to Hate and America's Most Wanted, Cube floats over Bomb Squad production with infectious energy and flows to match. Hey, funny story. David Faustino, known as Bud Bundy from Married with Children, tried to introduce Cube to late night talk show host Arsenio Hall. Hall didn't know who Cube was and was more or less playing him to the left during their awkward encounter. Cube would then take shots on Arsenio and other so-called sellouts, hilariously referring to them as Oreo cookies. This project sees Cube heavily borrowing from Public Enemy's formula used on tapes like It Takes a Nation and Fear of a Black Planet. Cube even features Chuck D and Flavor Flav on back-to-back -back tracks. Even with this influence, he clearly establishes his own identity, mixing East Coast sounds and styles with West Coast culture. The legendary album is one half NWA and one half Ice Cube, being both revolutionary and aggressive. Other tracks to check for would be Who's the Mac, It's a Man's World, and Rolling with the Lynch Mob. It's almost top three time, ladies and gentlemen, but first, I got one last question for you. Cube's Hollywood resume is damn near as strong as his music catalog. We all love the classics like Friday and Boys in the Hood, but what's Cube's sleeper movie? One that doesn't get enough recognition in your eyes. And it doesn't have to be one he directed, it can just be one he acted in. If you ask us, low key, Lottery Ticket was a straight ass little movie. It doesn't get the respect it deserves. But leave a comment, let us know what your sleeper is. All right, time for the top three. Number three, Predator. Cube's third studio album and the only one to reach number one on Billboard had strong contributions from DJ Pooh, Sir Jinx, and Cypress Hill's mastermind DJ Muggs, and even Cube himself behind the boards. The Predator manages to move Cube's vision to a more accessible mainstream audience. Up to this point, we had love and respect for his work with NWA, along with critical acclaim around his 
his first two solo outings, but he still hadn't managed to cement his voice as a pioneer and player alike. That all changed with bangers like We Had to Tear This Motherfucker Up and Who Got the Camera, released in the shadow of the LA riots due to the Rodney King beating and trial. Led by It Was a Good Day and Check Yourself, which will become signature singles in Cube's catalog. He was able to reach new commercial heights while still maintaining his stance against police brutality, corrupt governments, and gang culture in 90s LA. Cube laid the groundwork for a socially conscious album with a contemporary West Coast sound. Shout out to the videos as well. Did you peep that Check Yourself picks up right where It Was a Good Day left off? The Predator is entertaining from the first to the last track with minimum skips, and 30 years later it still stands as one of the most foundational albums in the framework that is West Coast hip-hop. Number two, Death Certificate. Improving upon the sound he cultivated on his debut with the Bomb Squad, O'Shea irons out the wrinkles, swapping out rough and choppy East Coast samples with the soul samples fueling the G-Funk boom of the early 90s. Nobody was safe on this record either. The wrong nigga to fuck with sets the momentum, unapologetic in his oppression to white America. Colorblind sees Cube maneuvering the streets of LA while advocating for unity in the name of collective strength. Black Korea is an intense response to the shooting death of 15-year-old Natasha Harlins by a Korean store clerk in 1991. It's easy to see how mounting race issues quickly turn into the LA riots the following year. While No Vaseline sees him taking aim at his former group and manager with no remorse, pretty much deading any chance of a reconciliation with NWA or Ruthless Records. Add to that True to the Game, Us, Steady Mobbing, the album has no shortage of standout tracks. Death Certificate received as much praise as it did controversy. Structured as a conceptual double album, both the life and death sides emphasize Cube's innovative nature and progressive artistry. Cube's sophomore album is one of the best follow-ups and a genre-defining work. We know a lot of you will have this as your number one, but hear us out. Number one, laugh now, cry later. And here's why. Cube's seventh studio album dropped in a drought. G-Funk's popularity had faded significantly and the West was struggling to make waves. Cube had spent the previous six years padding out his acting resume with Friday sequels, The Barbershops, and Are We There Yet? It's easy to see how Cube's first independent release would have slipped through the cracks of even day one fans. The project is balanced, not too conscious like Death Certificate and not too commercial like Lethal Injection. The production on the album is diverse, not falling back on previous collaborators The Bomb Squad or Sir Jinx for tracks. Scott Storch, Swiss Beats, Lay Law, Little John, and DJ Green Lantern are all different producers with long rap sheets, bangers in their back pockets, and they brought them to this project. Unlike his later works, Laugh Now doesn't sound like Get Off My Lawn rap or an unwarranted ego trip. The West Coast legend is witty and thoughtful on tracks like The Nigga Trap, While We Thugs, A History of Violence, and Stop Snitching. On the other hand, he is still capable of creating the vicious bangers like Smoke Some Weed, Go to Church, and Chrome and Paint. He shows the ability to shake the industry full of young MCs on child support and humbly recalls the early 80s on growing up paying homage to his former partners in rhyme. Laugh Now, Cry Later is a work of a mature, not too old, not too young Ice Cube who learned a lot of life lessons on this bumpy road to success. We see a young veteran who earned his stripes and didn't get stuck in his old ways. If you love West Coast hip hop, make sure you check out our list of the games albums ranked here. Don't forget to subscribe and hit that like button as well. I'm CJ Williams and I'm out.